Thank you, Jesus. Well, uh, thanks for the invitation, Brother Tim. It's good. It's good to be up here and just see what the Lord is doing. Uh, it's so encouraging to see the saints come together and worship God. Um, so we've been really looking forward to this, Jackie and I. It's good to, to, to get away and uh, come aside and uh, fellowship with other believers. So i just give you greetings from uh, Limerick. Uh, we're pressing on by the grace of God. Uh, I believe the Lord has given me a word for us this morning. So I just want to um, bow our heads and pray and just ask God, you know, there are multitudes of places bringing a word probably around this time and people are, are sitting in various congregations and there's, there's such a need for God to just come alive in the word of God and um, I really feel that sense, that need this morning. Uh, can I ask you, um, exercise faith in God this morning. Don't look to me, I'm just a man saved by the grace of God, but exercise faith in the Word of God. Let's pray. Amen. Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord God. Lord, there are many lives in this place, Lord. You know every heart, Lord. You know every circumstance. You know every situation, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would come, Lord, that you would speak into hearts and to lives this morning, Lord, that your word, Lord, would, would just burst forth, Lord God, and bring life, Lord, that you'd set people free today, that, Lord, as, Lord, I speak, that you would help these lips, Lord, speak forth what you have to say, Lord. God, open the eyes of our understanding, Lord, give me help, give me liberty, help me not to say anything, Lord, that I ought not to say, but, Lord, give me the liberty to speak forth your word, your truth, Lord, that it may bring life, that it may bring deliverance, that lives may be affected and touched by the word of God. Lord, help us, Lord, not to be guilty of the, uh, the generation that were stuck in the wilderness. They didn't mix the word of God with faith. Lord, they didn't enter in because of unbelief. And Lord, help us, Lord God, not to um, approach your word, Lord, with a familiarity, Lord God, but Lord, to have an expectancy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God. If you could turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. We're going to read a, a very familiar passage. It's mentioned in some of the other Gospels as well. But let's read it together and begin to read from verse 1 of chapter 2. And again he entered Capernaum for some, after some days and was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there, was, there were no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. He preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing in a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So then they broke through. They let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoned in their hearts, 
Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sin but God alone? Immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is it easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose and took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all. And so that all there were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this before. What a wonderful account, a, a very dramatic account and a very dramatic attempt that they made to go through the roof of where Jesus was. It, it was obvious by reading the passage that news spread that Jesus was in the house. And in this particular house, they were gathering because they wanted to hear him. They wanted to hear what he had to say because of the words of truth that flowed from his lips. For all sorts of reasons, they came to him. And the room had become so full that they couldn't even get near the door. And I love that verse in there that the Holy Spirit saw fit to add, was that he preached to them the word. And if I'm, if I'm just bringing a message this morning, there's very little value in that, but that God's word would be preached and that it may come alive in our hearts. They were attracted to the Son of God. They were attracted to Jesus. The crowds had thronged and it was so full they couldn't get in. They couldn't even get near the door. Such was the drawing. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, most likely sitting down preaching the Word of God. I mean, we can, if you like, try and imagine we're there. Try and put yourself in, in the shoes of, of the men, for example, they come along and they're carrying this paralyzed man on a, on a stretcher or a bed type of thing and they, they come along and there's no way they can get near the place. You can imagine if, if um, the Lord himself showed up in here and, there was, and, and people began to hear, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to get, people wouldn't be able to get near the door. And so they come gathering to see what's going on and they can't even get to the door. Have you ever tried to get close to something or tried to, to go somewhere else, but there's, there's just too many? You just can't get near the place. There's too many drawn to it and so you just give up. It's too hard. Maybe we'll try another time when it's quiet. But there are times and circumstances and hindrances that can can get in the way of us getting to the Lord, touching Him, needing a touch from God. I don't know, the scripture doesn't say what exactly they said to one another. Um, we can only speculate. Perhaps they traveled quite some distance. Maybe said, I'm not carrying this fellow back. Um, maybe we should have come earlier. Is there any chance he's going to hear us now? What are we going to do? 
We had so much hope, and now we can't even get near the building. What did they do? They begin to take the roof apart. This paralyzed man, this situation wasn't going to change unless they could place it in front of Jesus. There's so many needs there. This room is full of needs. Full of needs. God knows every one of them. Every one of them. And you know, sometimes we can become apathetic. We can say, well, look, it's too hard. Nobody really knows. Um, it's gone on for so long now that it, it, what's, what's the point? I've prayed before. I've tried. I've attempted to reach God, but there's no point. It's just, it's just too hard. Perhaps the routine of going through the motions, you say all the right things, but inside there's a, there's a groaning. There's a longing inside and perhaps the routine of what we do on a Sunday or the meetings that we attend, they become routine. And what can happen is that you know, when we go through those things, it, it, our hearts can actually get hardened. Less expectancy and we can be distracted by other things and we can accuse God in a roundabout way of he doesn't really care. Or we just give up. And it can be a mixture of all of those sorts of things. So these guys, they weren't going to be put off. And I, I, love, I would love to have seen it. I'm sure you've probably seen some of uh, the clips on, uh, on uh, movies that have been made. And how dramatic that must have been. I don't think building control would be too impressed if somebody started <laughs> to take apart the roof here. But you can see the, the desperate need that was represented in these four men and the, and the man that was paralyzed on the stretcher. What a sight it must have been. It wouldn't be too good for the health and safety difficulties that we have today. But they, they, they did something dramatic. They, they weren't going to be put off. There was a, a very real need and they had to get in front of Jesus. And I don't know, maybe the owner of the house was panicking when he saw his roof being taken apart. Um, they must have done it pretty quickly. Um, you can imagine Jesus speaking and the crowd's attentively listening. The lads are walking away on the roof and all of a sudden you've got dust coming. And next thing the roof breaks open and everybody's staring up. And they, they lay this man down. And I don't know, did it, did it four ropes or what? He could maybe nearly, he nearly fell off, I don't know. But it must have been some dramatic sight to see. It's good to, when you read these things, to uh, stop yourself and, and try and put yourself into the situation and say, I wonder what it was like. <clears throat> I wonder how long it took them to open up the room. I wonder what drove them. I wonder what's going to happen. And I, I want to sort of bring out a few thoughts in this passage of scripture that I believe God put on my heart that, that I want to share with you today. It says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Strange. They're coming with a, a need. This man's paralyzed. He's got an issue. He hasn't walked. And Jesus said, it says when he saw their faith, that's those four guys, 
and I'm, I'm assuming the paralyzed man had some faith as well. He said, when he saw their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven to the man. Now, there's no mention of them looking to Jesus for forgiveness of sin. Maybe his friends thought, no, he's paralyzed. Great forgiveness of sin, that's fantastic, but he needs to be healed. We've, won, we've gone to all this lake, maybe we've traveled 10, 15 miles, I don't know. We've carried this man, I'm not carrying him back home. Thank you for forgiveness of sin, but he's still paralyzed. We didn't come for this. We want you to heal him. He's got a very real need. But Jesus knew the real need of this man's heart. He knows the real need of our lives. He knows the things that we suffer physically. He knew what this man needed, and that was forgiveness of sin. What good is it to be healed and still on your way to a Christless eternity? No, I believe in healing. I want to see more healings. And I'm not talking down healing, but the essence of the gospel is to set a man or a woman free. True forgiveness of sin. Not some turning over a new leaf and trying the best you can to live and change your life, but something supernaturally coming into your life and changing it. Now, these guys did something very dramatic. They couldn't get in through the door. They weren't going to be put off. And they laid the problem in front of Jesus. And he says, your sins are forgiven. And I want us to think about that this morning. That really is the problem of mankind. That's really why Jesus came. Sin is at the root of most of our problems. It's sin. Now, I don't think Jesus meant that the man was particularly sinful. There's a lot more going on behind the scenes here. Jesus knows who's in front of him. He knows every heart. The greatest miracle is that a man can be forgiven. It's the greatest need of this island. It's the greatest need of mankind, sins forgiven. To be forgiven, to be cleansed from the inside out, to have that relief and to know that somebody has paid the price for your sin. It's extraordinary when you, when you stop and think about it, the lengths that these men went to to get deliverance for this man. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Someone once said that it is the greatest need, costing the greatest price, that brings the greatest blessing. Let's examine the scene here and try and understand what's going on. Try and think about the dynamics of what's happening before the multitude. You have a packed room, thronged with people. The scribes are sitting there most likely right up close to Jesus, watching what's going on. They've torn apart the roof to get this man in front of Jesus. I'm sure the room was probably full of many other needs, but these lads, they got some attention that this morning, and they got those precious words. 
your sins are forgiven. But he said, it says, when, this, when he saw their faith. I think so often we underrate, underestimate the value of having faith in God. So maybe here saved 20 years. I'm saved 30 years. Some maybe saved five years, two weeks. We have to have faith in God. The value of having faith in God. We have a packed room full of people. The scribes are sitting there listening and watching to what's going on. They've lowered this man in front of Jesus. And Jesus said, because when he saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. There's something unique in bringing ourselves and bringing that need to Jesus. There's something extraordinary about it. They were not going to be put off. That situation was going to be brought in front of Jesus. Now, the scribes were recognized as as the spiritual authority of the day. And they're here listening to what's going on. They... They, they, their, their greatest difficulty was seeing that Jesus is the Son of God. They couldn't see it because he spoke like no one ever heard. He spoke words of life, words of truth, and they couldn't get their heads around it. Even Nicodemus, I believe he had a real searching heart because he came to see Jesus at night and he said, no one um, can do the miracles you do unless you've come from God. The words that he spoke, they, there was an attraction to them. It wasn't necessary to a personality, but it was to Christ himself, the anointing of God, the word of God was alive. That word was flesh among them, the living word of God. And so, I suppose we're probably quick to condemn the Pharisees, we're quick to come to conclusion about the Pharisees, but here they are. They're, they're the spiritual authority of the day, and they're listening, and they're reasoning in their heart, and they're saying, who can forgive sin except God? I'm sure they, they probably had their, their equivalent of the Bible, and, and they knew their scriptures, they knew the word, and here is this man speak, and, he, and he's saying, your sins are forgiven. Surely, if Jesus wasn't God, if it, was, if it was somebody else, that would be blasphemous. It would be wrong. And so, they're reasoning in their hearts, who can forgive sin but God alone? And yes, they were right. God is the only one who can forgive sin. This is blasphemy. And we are, they were correct to reason in their hearts to some extent, and to say only God can truly forgive sin. And they, they were, they, I suppose in one sense, they were trying to listen to what Jesus was saying. And then when Jesus came out with that statement, it, it probably just blew them. Who can forgive sin except God? But their problem was Jesus. They couldn't see They couldn't see it. They couldn't see him as the Son of God. Now, I want us to focus in on what Jesus has said. To bring out this point and highlight an aspect of it for our attention. It says that when he saw their faith. So, these these men had displayed a confidence that if they could bring the situation to Jesus... 
And, you know, in our, in our preaching, in our, in our coming to meetings, in our, in our prayer meetings or gatherings, if we have an expectancy to meet with God, God sees that. He sees the heart. He sees the heart that exercises faith in Him, in His Word. And if we have an expectancy, an awful lot more things can happen in our gatherings. Not an expectancy in a man, not an expectancy in a good message on a Sunday morning, but an expectancy that I need God. I need Him to speak to me this morning. I need God to speak to me this morning. They had a confidence that when they brought Jesus, they would get an answer. A very real paralyzing need drove them to do something drastic. And that they got the greater reward. They didn't realize it, I suppose. But the greatest reward of all is to have your sins forgiven. To have that debt that's stacked up in your life. The wrath of God stacked up in your life. To have that fully paid. Completely. With nothing left out. Every dark deed, every vile, wicked thing removed, cleansed as far as the east is from the west. Removed. Completely by the precious Lamb of God. A very real need that was brought before Jesus. Now, there are, as, as I mentioned earlier, there are other things at play. Jesus knew what the scribes were thinking. He knows, God knows what we're thinking. He knows the thoughts that we had yesterday. He knows what we're going to do later on today. He knows it all. He's not surprised. And Jesus didn't agree, disagree with them that only God can forgive sin. But then Jesus said to them, Why do you reason in your hearts? He said that to, 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 the, to the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, whoever were there. He said, Why do you reason in your heart? And so they would have known, hang on a second, this guy is reading my mind. I mean, in, in one sense, that alone should tell you this, this maybe, maybe like Nicodemus, he recognized, hang on, there's some, there's some, he has to be from God from the things he sees. He's, he's actually reading my mind. That alone should have helped them to persuade, should have helped to them to be persuaded that Jesus was the Son of God, having power to forgive sin. And I just love this next scripture, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. What, what a scene is presented before them. It's, everybody is looking at this scene. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And, I, and next thing he's reading the scribe minds. He's telling what he's saying what they're thinking. So you want to be careful what you think. Jesus could read their minds and he says to them, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say arise, take up your bed and walk. And then he goes on in verse 10, he says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Lo and behold, 
he wasn't shouting at him, I'm sure, several times to get up or he wasn't moving his legs and all that. So he got straight up out of his bed and carried his bed. What a sight that must have been. In a way, it is harder to heal a man than to forgive his sins because forgiveness of sin is, is something we can't kind of see. It's invisible. No one could verify at the moment the man is forgiven before God, yet it could be instantly verified whether or not the man could walk. You know, if he's lying on a stretcher and all of a sudden he's running around the place, he's been healed. That you might know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sin. I say to the crippled, get up, arise. What an endorsement of the authority of the Son of God for, them to, for, for all of them to see. It was instantly verified. You know, Jesus was having mercy on those scribes. He was demonstrating his authority to them in front of all of the crowds, the multitude that had gathered to see him. This was Jesus, in one sense, reaching out to them, demonstrating that, yes, which is it easier to say? Your sins are forgiven. Or say to the, the paralyzed, get, get your bed and go home. But that you might know that the Son of God has power. I say to the sick, arise. So they were, they were so preoccupied, in another sense, with fault finding and envy. It says in, in the scripture somewhere that Pilate knew it was because of envy that they handed him over to be crucified. They envied Jesus. <clears throat> so they were so preoccupied with what they had just heard who can forgive sin except God that it blocked any possibility of faith they could only hear with their natural ears not with their hearts it reminds me of that scripture in, in Romans about <clears throat> the word is near you it's in your heart and in your mouth. That's the word of faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. It's the heart. <clears throat> they, they couldn't see it because of their fault finding, because of their envy. The possibility of faith rising in their heart wasn't possible because they had come to the conclusion in their own hearts. They envied him. They were jealous of him. But it says in James 4, verse 6, it says, But God gives more grace. He says, Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's not an Asher fine, an apologist for your sin. Grace is much more than a cover of our sin. Grace is specifically the divine influence upon your heart. It's, it's the graciousness of God bestowed, poured upon us. We are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. It is a divine enablement. God resists the proud. They were proud. The arrogance of their hearts. They couldn't hear what Jesus was saying because of pride. It's almost, in one sense, it's like God can't resist the humble because the humble heart is, 
is honest before God. A humble heart knows its need. A humble heart uh, doesn't allow objections. Yes, there may be questioning. Yes, there may be reasoning, but a hungry heart will go to search out. A hungry heart will go to question, but I know you're from God because of the miracles that you do. A hungry heart will, will have that resistance easily unfolded because there's a searching heart there. There's a heart that sees. And the crowds were drawn by the Lamb of God. They were drawn by the Son of God. They were drawn by His words. And that need that represented this paralyzed man can, can represent needs in our lives. We can allow the crowds, we can allow the, the da our daily lives to become clogged up. But, you know, there's sometimes we need to take the tiles off the roof. We need to bring a situation before God, not for some dramatic scene, but to exercise faith in God. To reach out because God can see the heart that is reaching out. He can see it. There may be outside circumstances that will discourage us. It might be outside your normal character. You might be, but how can God hear me? Yes, he can. He can hear that cry. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Wouldn't you like more grace this morning? I think it was said in one of the revivals, they said, isn't grace wonderful? The supernatural influence that has come upon your life that all of a sudden the, the things that you try to stop doing, now you have something supernatural in you that's changing your behavior. The words that he spoke, they were life. Another account, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. Now you put yourself in that situation. There are people sitting around Jesus again and there's a woman behind him crying, broken. She's broken. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. And now when the Pharisees who had invited, the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, he'd know this woman as, as she's a sinner. She's got a reputation. She'd know that who it is that is touching him. And then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed her feet with my tears and wiped them with her ha the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time came in. I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Her sins are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, same loves little. And then he said 
to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And then he says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Isn't that powerful? Picture yourself in this scene again, watching as it were. And someone, this woman has come to the, behind the Lord Jesus. She's weeping. She's broken. Everybody in the room probably knows who she is. She's from down the road. She's a woman of the night. She's had four husbands. She's had five whatever. She is an immoral woman. Everybody knows her reputation. Now she's behind Jesus and all of a sudden she, she's broken. She's weeping and she takes off his sandals and, and begins to weep. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that would be quite a humiliating thing to happen. What would happen if something like that happened here? If somebody came in and took Tim's shoes off and started crying? How would we react? It must have been an extremely strange thing. How would we react? But Jesus knew her heart. She didn't care who was looking at her. Sometimes it's our pride where we're worried about who so-and-so will see us. Or if I get too dramatic or, or if I do something that's out of the norm, I'm not suggesting that we go mad here, but you know the, the point that I'm making. There's, there are times that we need to get out of our, our routine boxes and reach out and exercise faith in him. Well, this woman, she was broken, but she got the greatest relief of all. She got her sins forgiven. And he said to her, he commended her faith. He commended, he said, woman, your faith has saved you. God gave her that faith. She heard Jesus was there and nothing was going to stop her. Who God gave those men faith. And that paralyzed man got forgiveness of sin. Let us not underestimate the value of faith. Not faith in an object, not faith in some, but faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Faith in the Son of God. Remember the time when Jesus was handed the scroll and he read out from the prophet, I think it was Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set free those who are in captivity. To, to break those chains. If you're bound this morning, it's not God's will that you're bound. If, if, you, if you're caught up in some prison in your mind and you need God to set you free, He can set you free today. Today you can know a breaking. Today you can know a freedom from Almighty God. And yes, the most precious thing of all, sin, forgiven cleansed. I thank God for the songs about the blood. I thank God for forgiveness of sin. I thank God that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses the deepest sin. As far as the east is from the west, that's how potent the blood of Jesus is. And one of my favorite accounts in the Old Testament there is, is, is the account of the Red Sea. I, I Nearly mention it every Sunday. But I love it. That visual display of God leading a people out by Moses, who was a type of Jesus, leading a people out of bondage, 
leading a people out of darkness, leading a people out of oppression, out of a cruel taskmaster. And in all of that paradox that's going on, deliverance has been outworked. They don't know what's ahead. And they come to that place of, where there's mountains, if you like, all around, and there's a sea in front of them. And they're murmuring and complaining, has God brought us out to destroy us in the wilderness? Has God brought us out to kill us? Has God brought me out to make my life miserable? And he he says to Moses, stretch forth your hand. And there's a wonderful account of of the Lord. We all know it, how God split open the, the Red Sea. I don't know how many people, some scholars say three million people. I, I think it was about, not far off a million, but apparently they say it would have had to have been a, at least a mile wide for that many people to go across in one night. It must have been an awesome scene. But when I think of the Red Sea, I think of what my Savior did. I think of a people being led out. A people being delivered. I think of God as fighting on his behalf of his people, one that's greater than Moses, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the perfect Lamb of God, leading them out. And God looking down on what represents our sin, on those chariots of of oppression, Pharaoh coming back out after them, Pharaoh coming out to destroy them. But yet God was creating the greatest trap of all. What a strategist. He was bringing deliverance to his people and also dealing with their sin. Dealing. It says he he looked on the Egyptians. He looked on the chariots and the wheels began to come off. The power that they represent, the power that's in a sin, the force behind it, God took that apart. He took apart its effectiveness. And in fact, that filth has ran into the cross, if you like. When Jesus cried, I, I thirst. When he, when he cried out, what, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he cried that out, it's like, it's like those chariots there. It says, in the, it says they ran into the Red Sea. They ran into it. Or in one sense, it's like our sin. It ran into the work of the cross. It was like the greatest vacuum of all time, swallowed up. By the greatest victory. What a laughing stock of the enemy. Swallowed up completely. He said, you look at those Egyptians. You see them today, but you won't see them alive anymore. Not one Egyptian left alive. Not one escaped under the carpet. Not one slipped through. Not one sin Christ has not dealt with. Not one. Not even one. That is how complete this great and wonderful salvation is. You know, saints, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's what the gospel is. It is the power of God unto salvation. We think of power as, as even parting the Red Sea. We think of power somebody being healed. We think of power, the paralytic on that stretcher being healed. We think of an, an outward power. But the, the greatest power of all is your sins being swallowed up. Hallelujah. In the finished work of the cross. Gone. You think of those waves coming back over and God swallowing up every vile addiction, every vile entrapment, every vile bit and piece of 
wickedness and oppression and filth and all that is represented in sin completely swallowed up in the work of the cross. It's like the demons of hell swirling around. They thought they had got him. They thought they had tricked the Son of God. They, they thought that they had whipped up the crowd to crucify him, to destroy him. They thought, this is it, it's all over. But he was dealing with their sin. He was destroying the enemy and the enemy didn't even know it. The enemy actually ran into it. That's how powerful this is. The enemy ran into it. Saints, let's not allow what God has destroyed to come in after us. The Bible says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. God wants us to live that accomplishment out in our lives. He doesn't want his word to mock us or to taunt us. That's the enemy. He wants us to recognize, to reckon ourselves dead to sin. He wants us to live in the power of what he has done on the cross. He wants us to see the fresh again this Sunday morning. He wants you and I to see it. That what he has done is still effective. It is still powerful. It is still well able to deal with whatever complications, whatever quirk is in your personality. The cross can meet it. In fact, it has already met it. Completely and utterly. But it's our lack of faith in that work that hinders the effectiveness in it. God wants us to live in victory. God wants us to live in victory. Not just the person behind you, but you. God wants you to live in that victory of what he has accomplished on that cross. Saints, it's a great work. I just want to encourage you this morning, as I come to a close, have faith in God. Have faith in the Son of God. He's already crossed the line. He's in glory. He's there seated right beside our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father sent Jesus to redeem us. You and I have a high priest in glory. We have somebody praying for us, the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? The Son of God. That enmity has been removed. You and I have direct access to the throne of grace. We don't have to make an appointment with God. We can go right in. If you have a need this morning, you can go right in. Not tomorrow, not next week, but today. Today is the day of salvation. Today, God can and will set you free. Today. Is there anything hindering you from taking that step? from taking those tiles off the roof, from pushing through the crowd? Is there anything hindering you from getting to Jesus? I encourage you, saints, press through by faith and touch God. Remember the, that lovely story of the woman with the issue of blood? We all know it. Heard many messages on it. She pressed through. She exercised faith in the Son of God. He said, if I touched just the edge of his garment, I'll be made whole. God commended her for her faith. Have faith in God. You have faith in God. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Glory to his name.
Hallelujah. Jesus. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. Hallelujah. What a sin.